George Gilder tells us that in fact inside information is the best information. What average almost 3% a year better on your funds? Rob Arnott writes compellingly that the way index and many mutual funds are currently constructed is inefficient, and he offers a new way to invest. This powerful analysis could be worth a lot to you. Bill Bonner first tells us that we need to start with a principle if we want to succeed, and then shows us his idea as to what it is. Mike Masterson looks at the same thought, but comes away with an entirely different take. James Montier gives us a very thorough overview of the latest research on the human foibles in investing. He's an expert on the psychology of investing, having literally written the book on the subject. This chapter is one you'll want to read and reread and come back to often. Richard Russell, who's been writing since 1958 and is the Dean of Economic Writers, gives us his thoughts on time, hope, and the power of compounding. Anytime Richard talks, we should listen. Ed Easterling shows us that risk is not a knob to be turned for greater returns. The first step toward making money is not losing it, he writes, and shows us how to avoid unnecessary risk while making it our friend when we do encounter it. And finally, I weigh in with a few thoughts on the power of change in our future. The pace of change is accelerating, and we need to know not only what is changing, but how to take advantage of it. The best investments of the next 20 years will be those that are a part of the process of change. I am proud of this book and the work my friends have done to bring you their one best idea. I believe you'll find many nuggets you can use in your own life and investing. As to the order of the chapters, it was just too much to decide who should be first and then second and so on. Each chapter deserves to be a lead chapter. So I let the way they were organized in my inbox be the prime factor. You can start at the beginning, or in the middle, or the end, but read them all. And just one more thing. There are a lot of great ideas in the next few hundred pages, but you have to put them into practice. So as you read, think about how you'll put the principles, tips, and ideas to use in your personal life and that will make this book be a very good thing. Chapter 1 Signposts in the Fog Andy Kessler is a modern-day investment renaissance man. He does it all. He was a research analyst and investment banker for some of the biggest firms on Wall Street. He wrote about his experiences in his first book, Wall Street Meat, he then went on to co-found Velocity Capital Management, a hedge fund that raised $80 million. Kessler turned it into a cool $1 billion in a matter of five years, and then got out at the top. He chronicled those days in the book Running Money. He now writes Wall Street Journal op-eds, as well as articles for Forbes and Wired, and appears frequently on CNBC, CNN, Fox News, and Dateline NBC. And he stays in top physical shape by keeping up with his four sons. His latest book, How We Got Here, talks about industrial development, from the steam engine through the Internet. 
Andy lives in Northern California with his wife and four sons and is working on a mysterious new project which he promises to share with me once he has figured it out. You can find out more about Andy at www.andykessler.com where you can also get a free download of his latest book. John Malden Signposts in the Fog by Andy Kessler Years ago, I decided to climb Mount Washington, dragging a reluctant friend, Paul, along with me. It was a beautiful August morning in New Hampshire. Not a cloud in the sky. Birds chirping. Couldn't be better. Paul ran marathons and had already run eight miles that morning, but agreed to my little hike. He still had his running clothes on. I was sporting a fresh, blue oyster cult t-shirt. We parked the car and found the trailhead. Next to the usual warnings about poison ivy and rabid squirrels hung a huge sign that read, Stop! The area ahead has the worst weather in America. Many have died there from exposure, even in the summer. Turn back now if the weather is bad. I looked up at the cloudless sky and said sarcastically, it looks pretty bad to me. Let's roll. The climb was strenuous, for me anyway, but not a killer. At some point the trees gave way to rocks, the temperature dropped, and a fog bank came out of nowhere to sit not ten feet above our heads. We kept climbing until we were engulfed in the fog. Any idea where the trail is, Einstein? Paul asked. No. I can't see a damn thing. I heard there were trail markers, signposts or something, I said. Like that? Paul asked, pointing to a barely visible yellow rock sitting on top of a vertical stack of four larger rocks. We headed through the fog to the yellow rock. When we got there, we were almost able to make out another yellow rock on another stack, ten or fifteen feet away. And so we proceeded, making out signposts in the fog, slowly, surely, steady progress, freezing our asses off. At one point, we couldn't make out anything. You could barely see your feet. I wasn't sure if I was making out yellow rocks or just hallucinating, but we kept heading upward and sure enough, found another yellow rock closer to our goal. It stopped being fun, but it was sure exhilarating. Around two in the afternoon, hungry, cold, and barely speaking, we made it to the top of Mount Washington. Rather than planting a flag, we headed into the restaurant and fought the crowds who took the Cog Railway, drove, or were bus to the top. Paul and I both bought rather overpriced Mount Washington sweatshirts, wolfed down greasy cheeseburgers, and hung out for about five minutes until Paul said, Ready to head down the hill? This time we knew what we were doing. And that, my friends, is how I learned how to invest. Investing in the Fog Investing is hard. As hard as Chinese arithmetic, as another friend of mine used to say. It's onerous, treacherous, humiliating, and subject to extreme weather conditions. 
My old partner, Fred Kittler, said it best. The stock market trades to inflict the maximum amount of pain. I don't know about you, but I have a very low threshold of pain. Yet I spent a career on Wall Street, first as an analyst following volatile technology companies, as an investment banker, a venture capitalist, and finally running what ended up as a billion-dollar hedge fund. I did it by investing in the fog. You can't make money standing in the sunshine. As any junior year Stocks for Jocks course will tell you, a stock price is nothing more than the net present value of a company's future earnings. How easy is that? All you need to know is how much a company is earning today, how fast it is growing, and what discount rate to apply to future earnings to get that net present value. This reminds me of the Saturday Night Live routine with Chevy Chase playing President Gerald Ford in the election debates. Asked about the effect of inflation on budget deficits, Ford slash Chase answers, Uh, I was told there wouldn't be any math. On any given day, the math is quite easy. Widgets R Us earned a dollar per share last year. Its growth rate was 12%. The inflation deflator is 2.83%. Hence, the stock is worth exactly $18.42. You can get the formula out of any good economics textbook. Good luck with that. Maybe the stock really is $18.42. Maybe it's $20 and you should short it. Or maybe it's $15 and you should buy it. I wouldn't touch it either way. Why? Because everybody already knows about the $1, 12%.